Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Penny Drops. My name is Maddie J and this is episode four. Maybe you're saving to buy a house. Maybe you're interested in budgeting or maybe you just want to go on a European holiday but you only have $28 in your account. Whatever the reason, we're all in this together. So get ready for The Penny to Drop. Oh, and one more thing before we start. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you're seeking advice for your own personal situation and needs, then I strongly recommend meeting with a professional to get something personally tailored just like I did. Ah, buying a house. It's the great Australian dream. You know, ever since I can remember, it's what I've wanted. I imagined a big cheesy photo in front of a sold sign, my kids playing in the backyard, my dog lounging on the back deck, I'm going to be there probably overcooking steaks on the barbecue and, hey, why not throw in a white picket fence for good measure? I know it couldn't be more cliche if we tried, but there's something really inspirational about owning your own home. However... One part of the dream that I hadn't really considered was just how complicated the whole process of buying a house would be. So Laura and I purchased our very first home last year and it took so much back and forth with mortgage brokers, phone calls to friends who had already purchased their first house and many, many conversations with real estate agents where, look, I kind of just pretended to know what I was talking about. It was a massive achievement and look, if I'm being honest, it was pretty damn hard to navigate. I mean, okay, I knew the basics. You inspect a home, you love it, you either make an offer or you go to auction and then the bank gives you a mortgage to pay off and hey, you get the keys. But I didn't really have any clue about the actual process of applying for a home loan with pre-approval, offset accounts, fixed versus variable rates. And as I say this, I'm getting a headache already. But the good news is, by the end of this app, you'll know just about everything there is to know about how home loans work, the right questions to ask, and hopefully you'll be one step closer to achieving your dream of owning your own home. So in a sec, I'll be chatting to Hannah, who recently purchased a house with her partner, but Hannah did it the right way by actually doing her research before she started house hunting. But first up, chances are that when you do apply for a home loan, you'll do it via one of the big four banks. So we're going straight to the source and speaking with Brooke McArdle, who was a home lending specialist at Commonwealth Bank. Now, I wanted to give Brooke the right expectation of my level of home buying knowledge. So I started the chat by telling her that not only had I been going to open houses without pre-approval, I had also been putting in a few offers at the same time. And safe to say she was a little bit worried. You would make my heart stop if, um, <laughs> if you stepped into my office and you'd been doing that. Um, I would definitely have a little mini freak out. But it is very common for people to start getting excited and start looking at properties and putting offers in. And that's, I guess, where we come in to the, to the mix there to make it all not seem as stressful as it probably could be. So ideally, let's, let's rewind. If I... Imagine right now I'm at the point in my life where I think I've got enough for a deposit, but I'm not quite sure exactly how much I can afford for a house purchase. How can I figure that out? 
If you want to avoid lenders' mortgage insurance, you're going to need to have around a 20% deposit plus your upfront costs. So those upfront costs are made up of your government fees and charges, conveyancing and your bank fees. Most of your lenders will be able to tell you what those costs will look like on top of that deposit. You can have as low as a 8 to 9% deposit, but you'll need to be paying lenders' mortgage insurance on top of your loan amount if it is less than the 20% deposit. See, if I'm not quite sure how much of my income should be going towards paying off the mortgage, how do I figure that out? So we do have a great tool on the ConBank website. It is our How Much Can I Borrow calculator. Uh, With that one, you can put in your income, your expenses, um, your commitments that you have got, um, and how much you'd like to borrow as like an aiming point. And then that will tell you how much you can borrow based off that. And then when it comes to going to house inspections, I'm assuming you shouldn't do that unless you have pre-approval if you're being very serious about purchasing a house. Yeah, so having pre-approval does show the um, sellers that you are quite serious in the offers that you're making. Um, It also gives you a bit of peace of mind knowing that when you go back to the bank with the contract, they're not going to freak out and say, we haven't even been approved for your loan yet. Um, And it's not a last minute thing that you're doing and trying to run around and organise because the finance part is quite stressful. I can understand that. Brooke, for anybody who doesn't understand what pre-approval is, can you explain that to us? Yeah, of course. So conditional pre-approval is an indication from a lender that you're eligible to apply for a home loan up to a certain amount. So it's generally valid for six months, depending on where you're applying. You're under no obligation to take the loan and the lender is also under no obligation to give you the loan. Um, As long as you meet certain requirements at the time of finance approval, then you should be fine to proceed with that pre-approval that you've got. It is an important step because it gives you a good understanding of what you can afford and provides you with an understanding and the confidence when you want to make an offer on a property. And then when it comes to going for pre-approval, what kind of information do you need to have already organised? Definitely have a good idea of what your income structure looks like, Uh, the base income that you receive, any overtime allowances, deductions off your payslip, if you make voluntary contributions to super or involuntary contributions to super. Have a list of your debts, the balances owing, the repayments, interest rates and loan terms and your monthly living expenses and household details. And then roughly, how long does it take on average to have pre-approval accepted from start to finish? So pre-approval can take up to a week. Um, I haven't seen many go much longer than that. Um, The longer ones do depend on the complexity of the application and whether it needs to be referred to a second level team um, for a further assessment. And see, another thing that I got wrong was it was the fact that I thought when your pre-approval is approved, then you're golden. Like, that's it. It, Like, the loan is going to be rock solid. You're done. But that's not the case. Yeah, that's a very common misconception. So um, once you've got your pre-approval, you get your contract of sale um, and then we complete our valuations if they're required and we make sure that nothing's changed to your financial situation, make sure everything's up to date there. And then that's when we issue the finance approval and your loan contracts. So is that the valuation? Is that to make sure that, let's say, someone bought a house for $2 million and you guys value it at only like 200000 you guys would say, we're really sorry. Yeah, it's also to check that there's no defects to the property or issues with the property that the buyer wouldn't necessarily look at. Um, damage to the property that, you know, I, I probably myself wouldn't look at that sort of stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either. And so then if everything is going to plan and you are going to go ahead with the purchase, 
What does the bank do between formal approval and settlement and what sort of forms the buyer would need to sign? With ComBank, we've got your credit consumer um, contract schedule, which outlines the terms of your loan. So it'll go through like your interest rate, um, the fees associated with your loan, your loan, the loan term. Um, And then we've got the credit assessment summary, which is basically a summary of everything that was put into the application. So your income, employment, assets, liabilities, expenses, which all form part of our decision to approve the loan for you. Um, You'll also have your loan account authority, which the customer tells the bank how they want to be able to operate their loan, whether it's one to sign or two to sign. Uh, And then you'll have your mortgage document, which is communicated to the land titles office. And so now imagine that we've reached settlement day. How do we get the money from the bank to the seller so that I can get my keys? So we do that through a settlement workspace. So that's all done online. Um, So the bank will communicate to your solicitor what funds we have available for you to settle. So it's generally your loan amount. um, And then your solicitor will upload what funds are required for settlement. So as long as everything matches there, the vendor will get their money and the purchaser will get their house. And at what point normally do people decide how they'll service the loan uh, like whether it comes to payments that are, are done fortnightly or monthly? That's generally done at the beginning. So with your lender, um, I have that conversation quite early in the application process. Some tips that um, I generally give my customers is to set them up on the days or the day after that you get paid, just so that if there's any delays with your pay, um, you can have that money ready to go um, for that repayment to come out. So there's a variety of different bank loans you can select based on your circumstances. But firstly, what are principal and interest loans? Principal and interest repayments reduce your home loan balance and cover the interest that is owed uh, with each repayment. However, your minimum monthly repayment amount will be higher compared with the interest only. Ah, okay. So each month I would pay off a bit of my home loan from the bank and the interest they're charging me as well. So both are going down. What about an interest-only loan? Now, with the interest-only, the repayments will lower your minimum monthly repayment amount, but you will pay more interest over the life of your loan. Got it. So for the interest-only period, you only need to pay off the interest and not the actual loan from the bank. Now, what about interest rates? Uh, I know there's fixed and there's variable loans, but can you break down the difference between them? So the main advantage of a fixed rate home loan is having certainty of your repayments. So you can lock in or fix your interest rate for a certain period of time. Um, With a variable rate loan, your interest rate can rise or it can fall um, throughout the term of the loan. Ah, That makes a lot of sense because when Laura and I were deciding on a home loan, we were actually wondering if it made sense to go with a fixed loan so we knew the exact amount we'd be paying paying off each month. Now, when it comes to picking a home loan for yourself, how do you know what's best? Definitely have a look around, um, understand what your options are, have a chat to your lender, friends, family, see what does suit your personal circumstances. If you have the ability to make extra payments into your loan above the minimum, then you may look to go for a variable rate. Um, If you like to stick to a strict budget on how much you spend on everything in your everyday expenses and you want to know those sorts of certainty with your fixed rates, then that may well be the best one for you in that circumstance. Now, one thing that really confused me when we were looking at home loans was when you have a variable loan, you have the option to get an offset account. And if there's money in that account, you end up paying less interest on your loan. Can you explain to me how that works? 
So I'll just use this as an example. So say your variable rate loan is 500000 and you've got 100000 sitting in your offset account, which is a completely separate account to your home loan. You'll only be paying interest on 400000 So does every loan come with an offset account or do I have to specifically ask for that? Like it should be offered to you as part of your variable rate loan under your packages. Um, Fixed rates, you definitely can't have an offset account and you don't have a redraw facility either. And uh, there are some other loan types that aren't under a wealth package that don't come with a offset account. Term that kept popping up when I was sorting out my home loan was LMI or mortgage insurance. Can you break down what that actually is. So LMI or lender's mortgage insurance is a one-off non-refundable transferable premium that is added to your home loan balance if you have less than a 20% deposit. In some cases, it can be a 30% deposit depending on the postcode, but check with the lender um, if that postcode is restricted or has those restrictions applied to it. So it is calculated based on the size of your deposit and how much you decide to borrow. The more you contribute to the purchase price of your property, the lower that lender's mortgage insurance is going to be. It is something that protects the bank, not you or any guarantor associated to the loan. When it comes to buying a property, what are some other expenses that people always forget to factor in? Um, Your home insurance. So um, you're going to need to look at building insurance. Most banks won't take security of a property without you having that insurance in place. Your strata fees, legal fees and council rates as well. And then when it comes to remortgaging your home, how often do you think people should be reviewing their circumstances? I definitely think you should be reviewing it like every 12 months and that's just to make sure that you are getting the best rate possible, um, the best rate suitable to your circumstances. Um, You may need to even look at a different loan type um, depending on what changes have occurred for you over the 12 months. Brooke, the only thing I'm disappointed in is the fact that you didn't come into my life at least six months earlier. I hear that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Brooke. You're so welcome. Good luck. Hopefully that chat with Brooke means you understand the process a little more and unlike me, you won't be muddling your way through a home loan application. If you're right at the beginning of your journey, you should have picked up some little nuggets of gold to help you figure out the best decision to make. And if you're right in the thick of it, well, this should help keep the ball rolling and I am definitely expecting an invite to the housewarming. Let's speak to someone who's lived it and done it. That's right, a homeowner. Hannah recently bought her first family home in Adelaide with her partner and it's an accomplishment which I reckon deserves a huge congratulations. Thank you. For context, I'd just like to know, did you inherit any obscene amount of money? Did you win (laughs) lotto at all? No, I didn't. I actually went into it with an abysmal amount of savings. Luckily, I have a partner who is very financially savvy and he kind of... mm, pushed me into shape. So was it his idea or was it yours to buy the house? Yeah, no, it was both of our ideas. So we'd kind of, you know, we're at the age now, so I'm 33 and he's 36. And we're at the age now where we're like starting to look at it, starting to think about it. And during the last, the first lockdown, um, I kind of started getting a bit more on top of my finances and he already was pretty on top of his finances. So we were like, oh, perhaps this dream can actually be a reality. <laughs> well, when you guys first started talking about it, did, did you have a, 
a savings plan in place? Did you have any any financial goals? Um, so we were living in a share house at the time, so it was fairly easy to save. Um, and I kind of set a financial goal for myself um, and, you know, it was pretty easy during lockdown to save on not going out and that sort of thing. Um, so, but we didn't particularly have a budget in mind at that time. I think it was still pretty early days. Because when it comes to to buying a house, like I know when Laura and I have started looking it's easy to get carried away and you, you think, oh, I guess we could buy a place for under a mil and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we could, why don't we just look at places for three million? And then all of a sudden you're looking at places for 10 million and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to get down the rabbit hole. How did you figure out what your ideal budget would be? Yeah, actually, that's true. I can remember when we first started looking. So we initially did start looking. We're both in Sydney at the moment and we initially started looking in Sydney and then quickly realised that was just not going to happen. So we started looking kind of Newcastle and up the coast. And to begin with, I was doing that where I was like, oh, you know, we're both earning pretty different, decent salaries. We can push the budget a little bit further. And then, um, yeah, my partner's quite... um, strict with his finances. So he was like, <laughs> nope, we're not having, I don't want to sleep at night with a giant loan. So it was him that cut it back. And I think, you know, probably for the best. And then at what point did you engage a mortgage broker? So we were kind of thinking about it for about a year. And then at the end of last year, we were like, right, let's get serious about this. And that's when we decided that buying in Adelaide was going to be a better option for us. We have got friends and stuff over there. And we were like, you know, Sydney's not necessarily a long-term option for us. So we started looking first before we engaged a mortgage broker, which was a mistake that I would not make again. Um, Why is that? So... When we first started looking, and you know, I'm sure you're aware of this, the property market Australia wide is pretty hot at the moment. So when we first started looking, what we could afford for our budget was like, you know, fairly nice house, 15 minutes from the Adelaide CBD. And then by the time we engaged a mortgage broker and went through that whole process, what we could afford at that stage was like, okay, house, 30 minutes from the CBD. So if we had kind of moved a bit quicker, we would have probably been a bit better off, but you know. These things take time. And so when you engaged with the mortgage broker, was that initial conversation as you expected or did they throw any curveballs in the mix? It was initially fairly as I expected. So I've actually kind of got a bit of a background in like financial reporting. So I went into this very cocky thinking I was like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, And so to begin with, it was fine. Like, And in that first conversation, I gave her our budget and it was like, she was like, oh, that seems really low. And, you know, so I think at the beginning she was kind of like, you know, we could probably push that up. And then as things went on and we kind of gave her all our finances and that sort of thing, it was like, oh, no, we we should stay at this area. Bit of a power struggle with the mortgage broker. So when you were given pre-approval, was it the first house or was it the second house that you you put an offer in that you got. How long was that process? That was the worst part. So we went through a period where this was before we got pre-approval because we were very cocky slash stupid. Um, and we <laughs> we went through a process where we were like calling agents every day and putting in not necessarily formal offers, but kind of saying, you know, here's what we'd be looking to pay for this property. And they were basically just saying like, you know, and this was like listed asking prices. And they were basically just saying, nah. Um, And then the first house that we did put in a formal offer at, we actually got. And then 
we were pre-approved for it, everything was fine. And in the time it took us to sign our paperwork, the real estate agents got a higher offer. So we ended up losing that one. You're kidding. Yeah. And by the time we recovered from it, we had kind of been priced out even further. But so the one that we ended up getting was our third. So the one that you were about to sign for, and then the real estate agent said, hey, we've got another offer. Did they go to you to make a counter or were you trying to call their bluff? They came to us to make a counter, but I think actually, you know, things work out. And then in the long term, the property needed a bit of work and the offer was like 80K above what we'd offered. And we were just like, this is not going to work for us. So I think in the long term, it did work out. Um, and it did end up selling for even more than that. So I, I don't know what they were doing, but they did all right for their vendor. But it, it feels like it's so easy to get carried away because it feels like fake money. You know, you, you're dropping figures like 20K, 30K, 40K. And when you are looking for such a long period of time and you feel like, you know, you've got to watch the clock because time is ticking and prices are going up, it's so easy to think, well, why don't I just spend a little bit more? I've got this loan for 20 or 30 years anyway. So what difference will it make? That's exactly right. Like you're spending, you know, upwards of several hundred thousand dollars on a property. And so you're like, oh, what's an extra 10K? What's an extra 20K? It's totally fine. And it was even weirder for us, I think, because we were buying in, so we bought in July, which was in the middle of Sydney's lockdown. And so we haven't actually yet seen the house and we were (laughs) (laughs) we were making offers on houses that we had not seen. So it was, it, it just didn't feel real. And it did feel like, again, thankfully, my partner is a lot uh, stricter than I am. And he was like, you can't just throw an extra 50K on this and hope for the <laughs> <Yeah>. best. <laughs> I, I feel like I need your partner in my relationship. <laughs> yeah, honestly. He's like, every time anyone's like, how did you guys manage to get on the property ladder? I'm like, you need, you need Aaron in your life. <laughs> it doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence with myself and Laura. <laughs> So when you, um, the house that you actually bought, when you saw that, was it love at first sight? It was. It's a bit, you know, as I said, it's a bit further out than we were initially hoping for, but it's in a really good part of town. Um, and it's like, we're at the moment living in a one bed in Sydney. So honestly, anything with more than one bedroom is pretty amazing, but to be able to afford a full size house is pretty exciting. So yeah, we were pretty keen on it. And was that an auction or did you put in an offer? No. So because we were buying remotely, we didn't really want to try and go through the auction process because we would have needed to have somebody there bidding for us or done it online. Um, So we managed to get in an offer, although we made an initial offer and um, as we made the offer, they were already in the process of signing the paperwork with somebody else. And they went back to that person and said, like, another offer's come in. They went up, they came back to us, we went up and we managed to get it in the end. So it wasn't a simple process. How did that feel then when... When you actually got the house and you haven't seen it in real life, like you've just you know, seen it in photos and uh, in videos, did it feel real? In the moment, it was really exciting when we got it. Um, and then, yeah, it still doesn't really feel real though because we haven't seen it. But I think it was almost more of a relief that the stress of the process had finished rather than the excitement of owning a house. It was almost just like, we don't have to do this anymore. And that was <laughs> kind of the best part. <laughs> When you think back at the entire process, was there a particular part that was most confusing? Yeah, there was. Um, So I think what's most confusing is, you know, you suddenly need to have a conveyancer and you suddenly need to have a lawyer and you suddenly need to have all these things that if you're a first home buyer, you just 
don't have these people in your lives. And you also need to have them within like 24 hours notice. It's like, yeah, cool. Here are your contracts. They need to be signed in two days. So that part of the process was really confusing. And then also you're just kind of relying on these people to tell you the right information, which obviously is their job. But there is a lot of kind of taking, you know, a lot of good faith involved where you're like, oh, they're telling me this is going to cost me X amount of money and I'm just going to assume they're not lying to me. (laughs) So from the moment you and your partner first started talking quite seriously about buying a house to the moment that you got the house and it was yours, how long roughly did that take? I reckon it took about 10 months all up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's quick, which really shows how like, you know, <laughs> how used I am to the Sydney market because I, like we have friends and stuff looking in Sydney and they've been looking for well over a year and still not been able to buy anything. So I think it was a bit of luck and also probably helped us that we weren't looking in one of the busier markets, I suppose. Hey, when it came to trying to save enough money for a deposit, but was it your objective to try and get that 20%? Yeah, we we knew we didn't want to have to pay um, LVR or pay any kind of additional fees. And, you know, unfortunately, neither of our parents are in a situation where they would be able to cough up the cash or go guarantor. So we kind of had a rough idea of how much we would have to save. Um, so that kind of helped in terms of setting savings goals. But also at that time, we didn't necessarily know how much we were budgeting for. So I think actually our budget was more decided by how much we had saved before we chose to buy. And did you have to have any drastic changes to your lifestyle? Are you guys eating plain rice and soy sauce now every day? <laughs> I think it was more because we kind of kicked this off at the beginning of the pandemic or I kicked it off at the beginning of the pandemic. I think it was kind of helped along by that. And to begin with, it was kind of fun. It was like, you know, how cheap can we get the grocery shop this week? We were living in a shit house, so the rent wasn't that expensive. What I tried to do was look at where I was spending. And when you sit down and actually look at where the money from your bank account is going, it is quite startling. So I think there were some points where it was quite easy to shave off a little bit of money here and there. What was it for you? Was it eating out? Was it fashion? What did you have to cut down? It was definitely shopping. The, you know, Friday dress buy had to go. And then it was also, I think, just things like being a bit more prepared in the grocery shop, that sort of thing. It was just about kind of shape. We were very determined that we didn't want to kind of ruin our lifestyle by savings. Like we didn't want it to get to a point where we were eating soy sauce and (laughs) rice. So we were trying to be really cautious that we were still kind of living our best lives and saving at the same time. Um, But yeah, I think it was just about kind of removing the extra parts on top. And for anybody out there right now who may maybe at the beginning process of looking to buy a house, are there any tips or advice that you could give them? Yeah, my biggest advice is as soon as you are looking, speak to either a mortgage broker or, you know, anybody you want to work with in that space, just because the process takes so much longer than you think it does. And you think, you know, things will just take a couple of weeks and then everything will be hunky-dory, but it's not like that. And I also think it's really helpful to kind of get a better understanding of what repayments look like. I think when you use a mortgage calculator online and you tap in like, $800,000 loan, you're like, oh, that's nothing. That's fine. But there's all this extra stuff on top of it that you just don't think about. So I think speaking to somebody was really helpful for us. Engage the professionals. And and what's your plan now? Now you've got one house down the track in the future. Are you you thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind being a property mogul? (laughs) 
property tycoon? Um, look, probably not. Um, I think, you know, it's about how much debt you're kind of comfortable to hold, I guess. And I, you know, we're fairly risk adverse. Um, but I think like, as you said before, having one definitely takes the stigma away from it. And you're definitely no longer terrified of the process as we were at the beginning. So, you know, if we were to get into a situation where we had, were able to build up some savings again, it's definitely something we would consider. Lastly, when you do move into the property in Adelaide, will I get an invite to the housewarming? Oh, absolutely. And granted that we haven't seen it yet, it could just be like a knock walls out party. Who knows? So you're definitely invited. I'll bring the sledgehammer. I'll bring a hard hat. It'll be great. Perfect. Hannah, thanks so much. No problems at all. Thanks so much, guys. Can you believe that Laura thinks I'm not good at multitasking when not only have I gotten us from A to B of home ownership, but I also scored myself a party invite. Ah, the amount of things you can accomplish when the kids are in daycare. There is no greater feeling than slapping on a sold sign and seeing all of your hard work pay off. Now, I know you're not meant to get too emotional about real estate purchases, but Honestly, I couldn't help but look at the rooms Marley, May and Lola are going to have when they're older and feel like I've done a really good job. And it's also nice to know that when I do see them doing something naughty, I can yell, not in my house, and actually mean it. Before we go, here is just a really quick recap of the things that I wish I knew before I started my house hunting journey. Used an online mortgage calculator to help understand what I could afford aimed for a 20% deposit, it meant I would have avoided mortgage insurance, considered an offset account as I would have saved on interest charges. And lastly, this is a very obvious one, but hey, we all make mistakes and that's how we learn. It would have been a great idea to speak to a lender or a mortgage broker and gotten advice as soon as I considered buying a house. Next week, we're going to talk about making our money work harder for us and get to the bottom of another topic that makes me say words like dividends, Dow Jones, and bull and bear without having the slightest clue as to what the hell I'm talking about. For a good year, I thought that Dow Jones was slang for David Jones, as in the store. Strap yourselves in, guys. We've got a lot to learn. Well, that's all from me. If you enjoyed this episode or you found it helpful, don't forget you can subscribe, review, or share it with a friend. Until next time, spend less and save more. And if you don't, hey, we'll work on that next week. This podcast was produced on what always has been and always will be Gadigal Land. Listener.